0: Welcome to Real Money Talks, real strategies from the moneymakers and the world changers that you can use to make millions, keep those millions, multiply your wealth, and build your team. Here's your host, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View, Laurel Langmire Hey,
1: this is Laurel, and welcome back to Laurel's Real Money Talks, the podcast where we make millionaires. So we're going to talk about how do you make money? How do you keep it? How do you invest it? How and why would you use a team? And so all of this conversation happens here on Laurel's Real Money Talks. And today, uh, Michael Blank is with me. So he has an Amazon bestseller on how to have financial freedom, which I love your t-shirt there, by the way, uh, through real estate investing. And those of you that know, I am a real estate and gas and oil millionaire in 1999. So I hit both industries same year. And uh, you got to have a team. And I think what Michael is going to shed some light on is how do you really get that three to five year plan? You know, there's a lot of real estate uh, educators and investors who say, you know, do it one by one by one, right? The single family methodology. If you do, you know, one a year for 20 years, you'll get there. I don't know about you, Michael. That seems a little slow. So welcome.
2: Thanks, Laura. Thanks for having me.
1: And so it's, uh, talk a little bit about your background, uh, and we are going to talk about apartments, those of you listening. So stay tuned. We have a lot yeah. coming up in our show.
2: Yeah. or And real estate in, in general, as, as you're right. Uh, yeah, you don't really need a team Laurel, um, unless you want to be a millionaire. So, yeah. uh, you're right about that. Uh, I, I didn't understand a lot of these things. Uh, I have a very, I, I would say traditional background. I went to school, got my good grades and got a well-paying job following the program, you know, and, um, I have uh, I have a computer science background some highly educated laurel and yeah. um, and uh, <laughs> you know and so and so I was in the late 90s I was in the right place at the right time I joined a software startup and it was called web methods and and it went public in March of 2000 put a bunch of money in my pocket which was great so I felt like a genius until I read the daggone purple book in 2004 yeah. and I felt like less like a genius and I after uh, several months I actually quit my job and uh, and decided to pursue financial freedom. And the problem with the Purple Book, of course, it doesn't tell you exactly what to do. It throws terms around like real estate and cash flow business. I'm like, well, yeah, well, there you go. You need a little bit of follow
1: up, right? Is, well, yeah. So that's exactly having been the master distributor of the cash flow game. So if you all yeah. don't release the Purple Book, which I'm a rich dad, poor dad, it's a great story. Not a true one, by the way. And, uh, but everybody left that book in the game with how do you do it? So yeah. let's talk about that gap because uh, it sounds like you were left with the, that sounds great. Now, what do I do?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. My problem was I had a bunch of money at the time. So I just quit my Not job bad. and kind of, well, well, I suppose. But, you know, so I just did everything. I learned, I took a seminar on trading stocks and options. I took a seminar on house flipping. I took a seminar on apartment buildings
1: yeah. and,
2: and, and, and I flipped a house or two. But my big idea was to invest in restaurants. As misguided as it now sounded, but at the time it was a pretty good idea, yeah. and uh, so I went all in and and bought us territory of a pizza franchise. And you know the guys were like, "Yeah, you hire a guy, run all the restaurants, and you sit back and count the passive income." I said, "That's exactly what Kiyosaki talks about. I must be on the right track." And it was. <clears throat> I wasn't on the right track for about two and a half years, until the recession changed all that. You know, it's like Mike says, everyone's got a planning until you get punched in the face. Well, I got punched in the face pretty good. And it took me a long time to realize that I was in a money losing venture. And it took me even longer to get out of it. I subsequently lost my IPO millions in the great restaurant uh, debacle, added a couple hundred thousand dollars of debt on top, almost lost my house. And then,
1: uh, you where know, where did Claude... you live operate all this? <clears throat>
2: this was Northern Virginia, DC area. Huh? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And, uh, and because I had flipped a couple houses, I'm like, man, I need to get myself out of this mess. So I started flipping houses and mm-hmm. I started raising money to do that. Cause my money at the time was not quite lost yet, but it was deployed. So, you know, the classic hard money, you know, private money loan to, uh, and that's how I flipped houses. So I was working like 80 hours a week cause I was making money with the house flips, losing money in the restaurants. And it was, it was the most awful part of my, my life. Um, until I finally got into an apartment building in 2011. A little bit by accident, one of my wholesalers brought me this apartment building because it was listed by, listed by a residential agent. I was like, oh, let me dust off my training from 2006. And I took a swing at it and, uh, and, and bought it. It was my first syndication with five investors. And it was a complete nightmare, which we'll save for another time. It was a nightmare and I regretted it immediately as soon as I got into it. But after about 12, 18 months, I stabilized it and got rid of the trouble tenant that had in there. And it kind of got boring. Meanwhile, it was sending me like whatever $1,000 a month and I'm happily flipping houses, which if anyone has flipped houses before, there's nothing active about flipping houses at all. And after a while, I was like, man, I'm insane. That's not passive income. Like what's wrong with me? Meanwhile- yeah, that's you
1: know, so this- funny. I want to I put a big <laughs> exclamation point on that is so many people think that past, you know, that I'm going to flip a house and I'm going to end up with a bunch of cash, but you forget that during that three, four, five, six months, whatever it took to flip it, you're working your tail off.
2: Oh yeah. Nobody, nobody tells you that part of the equation. So I'm glad you no, brought No, one, up. Does. Yeah, <clears> throat> no throat> one does. Yeah, no one does. No one tells you a lot of things by the way. Right. And so then I was like, well, you know what, maybe instead of flipping, I'll just hold them. Right. I'll hold them because that's clearly passive income. And it is, but $150 a month is not going to get me to where I want to get to. I'd have to, I needed, like I was, did some whiteboard math, like 50 houses and I just flipped three yeah. dozen in three years. I'm like, holy crap. It'll take me four years and then even if I were insane to do that, who's going to manage all that stuff? So, so I dismissed it as a strategy. And I, I looked at my boring building there. I was like, you know what? I got to do more of that. I got to figure out how to do that because it's a little more complicated, but I got to do that. And, and that's kind of where, where I shifted. And I started blogging about it. And it, it turned not into just an investment, but also turned into you know an education thing. And so today we're one of the leading uh, authorities on how to train people to buy apartments, even if they have no experience or the cash of their own.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And those of you that want to know anything more about Michael, you're going to go to asklaurel.com. Uh, you can put in your question, make a request in the show notes. We will have a gift for Michael, but you got to go to asklaurel.com to go get what he's going to give you. So talk a little bit, Michael, about that education process, because a lot of people um, like give us the trajectory because I am the how girl. Like I, I, I always say I, I teach the class called connect the dots that never got taught. So, when do you, when you looked at and you said, I got to go do more of that, and I did more of that apartment, what was your next step? Let's like walk, walk that average Jill and Joe that's out listening to our podcast now. What was that next step of going there? And then we can talk more about what you're doing now. But that step is so critical, and a lot of people don't make it.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. So, I, I am, I am uh, the exact opposite of people should do. I call myself the crash test dummy of financial freedom. 2011, there wasn't too many people teaching on this stuff. So it was, I'm it was neat.
1: Totally yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's me f- figuring stuff out, uh, you know, and today there's there's not just me doing it, but a lot of other people. And so after having done it so many, so many years, really, the, the first step is to know, believe that you can do this. And that's the biggest problem, because people say, you know what, I'm going to buy, like you said, the house per year for the next 10 years. And, you know, uh, and I'll follow the fire method at the same time to get there faster. Well, okay, that, that's not bad. That's better than the normal 40-year retirement plan, but it's not the most efficient way you can do it. And people, yeah. when they hear about apartment buildings, they go, yes, I've heard that before, but I don't have the experience. I don't have the money. So let me flip houses or, or, or you know, do landlord for the next 10 years. And I'll take that experience and the money I make, and I will, I will then graduate into apartments. And that's not a bad plan, but you don't need to do it at all. In other words, you can get in apartments from day one, whether you have experience or not whether in real estate or not or without your capital and and so that's the biggest thing is believing that you can do that and we only know that now because we've done it with so many people we know hey you can you can the single family house if you want to do it that's fine that's better than the average you know average american but you don't need to
1: right and so what was your first step moving to the apartments did you do fourplexes 16 did you go straight to hundreds what was the the range that you just said, I'm gonna go do more. And what was those? What was early days? What were those first early days, Mike?
2: Yeah, so it so what happens is no matter where your entry point is, if you're so in my case it was a 12 unit, but let's say you okay. can't wrap your head around anything more than a duplex. It doesn't it doesn't matter because what happens is first deal is always the hardest, takes the longest. And then something happens I call the law of the first deal. That's what I wrote in my book about. And the law of the first deal basically says if you do a multifamily of any size, you will be financially free one to two years. Like it's just a mm-hmm. universal law. I have not seen it and, and I have not seen the exception to it. And the reason is because once you do that first deal, it's like a giant domino that falls. Uh, brokers who weren't returning your calls have heard about this. Now they're calling you. Investors who are on mm-hmm. the fence are now calling you. And and more importantly, your as your comfort zone uh, rises, so does the deal size. So if you do a two, a duplex, the second deal you will do is probably gonna be around 10 The third one is going to be 20 to around, let's say, 25 units. And then one after that is going to be 50 plus. So starting at 12, my next deal is going to be somewhere around the 25 to 50 range, right? So it depends on where you are in your life. If you have a mentor or not, if you have resources, you're going to try to bite something off that's a little bigger. The point is the reason that the law of the first deal is so fast is that your deal sizes keep getting bigger, right? With a single family house, I can keep buying single family houses, but it's very difficult to scale up because of that with apartments. Even if I just buy a duplex, within three deals, I'm going to own 50 units, right? And so, therefore, it becomes a very, very powerful mechanism to, uh, to become financially free. And, of course, you can't do it without a team, which is something I didn't realize either because in the house flipping, you don't have teams. You don't have partners. You don't need partners, right? But with multifamily, you do. And that's very powerful
1: the real estate market today. Let's kind of move forward into, you know, we've been in this interesting pandemic now for what, 20 months. Um, What, what, you know, what has happened that you've experienced in the last 20 months? What do you see on the horizon?
2: So it's been very interesting. First of all, back in, you know, April last year, we're all biting our nails, not knowing exactly what's going to happen. And it turned out fine. It turned out fine just like it did in 2008 with multifamily and last recession, turned out fine because uh, people chose to pay their rents or their mortgages for the most part, um, because it's the only thing they can control. They can't control their health. There was uncertainty with their jobs. You know what? I'm going to pay for my housing. At least that's the one thing I can control. So decided to pay for them, not to strategically default on their house. Number one, number two, the government then started sending out checks right through directly through, through tenants, obviously through subsidies, which they then chose, to pay their rent, then there's PPP yep. loans they did, and then the last uh, the last one they did uh, last year they literally paid out checks to the landlords directly. It's it's insane. Uh, so that's what happened. So the collections were very strong. Then what happened over the last ten months is we're we've been in an inflationary environment, uh, and so we have seen rents and across our portfolio go up by ten percent over the last twelve months, like it's insane. And we didn't discover this until like four months ago. We're like, oh, let's just knock it up, not, Let's just ask another fifty bucks, and we got it. We're like. Well, let's do another 50 bucks and we got it again. So what, 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 so that was very interesting. The last 12 months have been extraordinary, extraordinary for multifamily. And the question becomes is, well, can prices continue going up? They've been going up since 2015, right? We must be in some kind of bubble, but I don't think we are. I don't think we are in 2008. We were definitely in a bubble because there was no yeah. fundamentals to support the housing prices going up. But right now the fundamentals are supporting higher prices and it's because of, the inflationary environment that we're in right now. Of course, inflation drives up uh, rents and everything like that as well. Plus, because of the, the construction cost, you can't build more affordable housing. Yet there is more demand for affordable housing than ever before. So people are gonna figure out how to pay that. And therefore there's a fundamentals for even prices going up even higher.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's take a little trajectory. You and I both love the alternatives. Uh, talk a little bit about the stock market. You said you took a class. I took a bunch of classes too. Um, I'm a huge fan. In fact, for a long time, ran a brand called Off Wall Street Assets. Yeah. So talk a little bit about why it is such a strong alternative and speak to the tax side that I don't think a lot of stock folks really are understanding.
2: So I love the stock markets. The, the technical trading appealed to me. I just love that. The adrenaline rush was fantastic. Uh, and I did that for about 18 months. I traded iron condors, which was very technical. And it was, was kind of cool the problem from a stock market perspective i remember this back in the day when i was you know uh, when i was trying to make financial plans for the for the future the thing that frustrates a stock market investor is they can't reliably plan for the future because of the volatility so if there's a recession of some sort and they're 6 12 months away from retirement or needing money for their kids college and they're in their 529 whatever uh, it, then, it then dings them and they don't have enough money to fund what they want. Therefore, it makes it very unreliable to plan in the medium term. Long term, of course, stock market has always gone up, 20, 30 years. But my gosh, I need something in the next five to 10 years. And there, therefore, the risk is very high. So the volatility is what frustrates most stock market investors. Number two, it doesn't generate cash flow. So in other words, if if, I, if I'm a corporate executive or a partner law firm or my medical practice, I can't, I don't have a good exit strategy unless... I live by the 4% rule, right? If I 4%, if I want $100,000 of of income and I can use 4% of portfolio, I need two and a half million. Oh my gosh. Well, how many people have $200 million invested? Not many of us. And how long would it take the average American to get there? Let me answer that question. Never. Okay. So therefore they can't actually quit their job. Number three is the taxes. Every time your financial advisor or your stockbroker calls you up, Hey, Laurel, I get this great idea. I'm going to sell everything and buy everything new so we can take advantage of the next new trend. You're like, well, that's great, but I'm paying com- commissions and taxes. And every time you sell anything in your portfolio, right? So you're paying taxes. And those are the three major problems with the stock market. Now there are alternative investments. Now, r- real estate is one of them. Gold is another, oil, right? Uh, but yeah. one of the advantages of, of real estate syndications specifically, whether it's in multifamily like we do or, or self-storage, or mobile home parks is uh, they're very recession-proof, so that's number one. So that there's and with that there's a lot less volatility. I'm fact, there's very little volatility in those asset classes. They're just slowly going up, compounded every single year. So less volatility. Therefore, I can make more reliable planning. Number two, they generate cash flow. So if I if I invest, I can get an eight to ten percent cash on cash return. That's significant. For every hundred thousand dollars I invest, I get ten thousand dollars in cash flow. That's that's amazing. And then due to the tax laws. I get a, I get depreciation. I get a, a paper tax loss on my, on my K-1 documents, uh, and so therefore it looks like I'm losing money, right? So you invest $100,000, you get $10,000 back from the investment, and then you have a $40,000 loss on your K-1. And your CPA is like, "Oh, Laurel, I'm so sorry, you suck as an investor," you know. And you're like, "No, no, no, let me know. We actually money. It's because of this, this paper loss on here, and this carries forward. So next year we make more." And you offset this again; and it's just magical. Uh, and you can the tax laws favor real estate investments. Therefore, uh, real estate syndications, in my opinion, there's nothing better. You cannot get that kind of mix from any other investment vehicle.
1: So, are you guys doing much with self-directed IRAs? Knowing the Roth is on the chopping block, have you yeah. raised capital in that category?
2: We have, and we we take we take self-directed IRA. It's uh, it it's yeah, it's absolutely doable, and um. And uh, it's it's a little tedious, you know, from from both our perspective and the investor's perspective, because it takes a while to sign documents and get the money wired, right? So, if you do capital raise and it's it's subscribed in four, you know, three days, you now the IRA investor is going to be at a disadvantage. But and then of course you might even also have UBIT tax in your IRA as well. So there's some there's some nuances with the IRA itself. But yes, absolutely, uh, plenty of people invest with their IRAs.
1: So I'm going to take you back to some of those beginning uh, steps. What are some of the, I'd say, three, four, five, but specific mistakes people make as they're moving from, well, just being just in the stock market or just doing a single family or like a flip, you know, fix and flip. What are some of the mistakes and pitfalls that you continually see? And when people finally, probably like they're with me, when they finally say, could somebody please help me, right? <laughs> it's that yeah. moment before you know they ask for help and get a mentor and get a coach. Uh, what are some of those mistakes you see over and over in all these years?
2: I think one of them is, is, is a lack of clarity. I see that over and over again. It's, a, it's a, a lack of clarity of what you want in life in general, what you maybe don't want. Because if you're clear about that, it, it, everything else takes care of itself. In other words, if you're clear about what exactly what you want, you have no choice but to take action in that direction. There's just, just no choice. And a lot of people don't take action in a certain direction because they're not clear about what they want. They're not clear that they want cash flow. Like, for example, I wasn't clear when I got into real estate flipping mm-hmm. that I wanted cash flow. Well, if I had been sat down for more than an hour and going, Hey, what do I really want? I would have gone, You know, mm-hmm. house flipping is not actually passive income at all. Why yeah. am I doing that? Why am I pursuing that? Is there maybe some other strategy? Right. So being clear about what you want. And then what happens from that perspective, you don't have all the answers. You have to hit those answers. Well, if you're listening to this and you're in the stock market, like, well, cash flow sounds nice, paying less taxes sounds nice. Okay, well, but now, now you have clarity in your mind, right? Where there's a will, there's a way. And so now you can educate yourself. You can look at all the resources you provide in your, in your book or, or, or wherever else. And now you can educate yourself about alternative investments. So you have to get education at one point. You can listen to podcasts and read books. That's a great start. At one point, yep. you might have to invest a little bit in your education. So there's, there's education around, around that. And then what yep. happens is you start believing that you can do something right. When you, when you see that happening, you're like, Oh my gosh, I, I don't have all the details, but I believe I can do something. And that's when you can start taking some, uh, some action. And then, uh, you, you bring up teams. I think what's really important is that people do build teams around themselves. You build a team of of peers around you. You surround yourself with people who want to do what you want to do, because you know probably where you are. You're probably crazy woman, crazy man, in my case, because knowing your friends or family doing what you're doing. And so you're crazy, obviously, Well, find people who are crazy like you. And then you realize, oh my gosh, I'm not as crazy. Uh, And then maybe surround yourself with advisors or or mentors who maybe have done what you have done. And then number three, looking out for partners. Because in a multifamily space specifically, one plus one is, is almost always greater than two, right? So if you're like, for example, specializing in capital raising, well, who's finding a deal? Well, maybe a partner or joint venture partners find the deal. And so therefore surround yourself with the right, right kind of people. And if you do those things, you get clarity, you get some education, you start believing, and then you surround yourself with people, you will, you will figure out the rest. I mean, there's, there's like, you know, nine other steps I'm sure I can talk yeah. about here. But the, the biggest, the thing is when people start getting on that trajectory, they will figure those things out. The biggest thing I'm seeing is that people, they never get there because they never believe properly they can do something. So if you can't believe, you don't believe something is possible, why would you ever take any, any action? You don't. Yeah. Therefore, yeah. you have to develop that kind of belief.
1: Absolutely. Great answers. Great answers. So clarity, education, and belief, all of that coming together. Mike, I'm going to go one just kind of real big turn here. Define the syndication, right? Because yeah, syndic- there, are, yeah. there are non-security deals in real estate all over the place. But what's interesting is I see a lot of people don't realize you know, when you actually line it up and become a one-stop shop, you become a security and there is a fine line. And then a syndication is totally different. Define that for our listeners, for those of you that don't really know, right? Give an accurate definition.
2: Yeah, it's it's it's, it's still a security. It's just not a public list of security. So there's some laws around it, but in simple terms, it allows the average investor to own a percentage of something that they would never have access to. So for example, if you, if IPOs, you, you have to be a super alternate high net worth investor to get access to the best uh, IPOs. The average investor never sees those IPOs. They're just simply not available until they're public. Well, high net worth individuals get access to them before even they're public. They get first crack at it. And syndications lowers a bar and allows people to have a part in a $50 million building or a $20 million mobile home park or, or some kind of development. And, and And more importantly, someone else does all the work. And so this is really at the heart of syndication. It's owning a sliver of something much bigger that uh, is, is recession-proof and kicks off uh, cash flow and builds wealth and gives you tax advantages.
1: That's awesome. So let's uh, go to the education side. So in addition to you know doing the work, sounds like you also do some education. Let our listeners know about that.
2: Yeah. So, so we have two businesses. One is called Nighthawk Equity, where we actually buy apartment buildings. Because, uh, you know, there's two ways you can become financially free. One is through pass investing, like we've been talking about. Well, if I want to serve people who want to invest passively, I need to provide them with high quality investment opportunities. So I'm serving people who have money to invest and don't want to be the entrepreneur. But then there's other people who want to be the entrepreneur don't have the money. They just have hustle. Now, some pump. there's overlap between the two. But some people want to be the entrepreneur because they've always wanted to work for themselves. They want to build a legacy and things and they want to quit their job. And so for them, we have education around them, kind of like what we're talking about here. How do you create clarity? Uh, How do you, you know, how do you actually go about raising capital? How do you analyze deals? How do you make offers? How do you do diligence? And again, the good news about all those things is you can learn them very quickly, very learn quickly. Mm -hmm. And, And the encouraging thing is you can learn how to raise capital relatively quickly, 60, 90 days and you're raising capital. You can be, you can appear much more experienced than you are within 60 to 90 days. You don't need five years of flipping or, or landlording. Yep. And it's all because of your education, using the right words and having a team that's around you. And you talk about using the right words and about your team and brokers have no choice but to take you seriously.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, um, I just want to reinforce for, for all of you, uh, raising capital. Um, so, speaks it. I'll let you speak to it. Um, so many people say I can't raise capital because I don't have a license. So I'll let you speak to that. I was gonna I was gonna give that a spin, but I'll let you uh, begin that. Cause a lot of people think yeah. that and they don't raise capital because they say, well, I'm not licensed. And my financial planner said that if I'm not licensed, I can't do it. I, I love hearing what traditionalists. Oh, I know you're cringing. I know it's yeah. the same thing when I hear a CPA say, Oh, you don't need, you don't need to get incorporated. You have 24 properties, just get insurance. I was like, Oh my God. Like it's just cause your license doesn't mean you're a genius.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't need to get licensed, right? Because um, while you are raising capital, you're doing it as a general partner, right? And so there are some, some, some guidelines you have to follow, but licensing is not one of them. But for example, you can't publicly advertise a deal that you have, you can't put up a billboard or take out a radio spot, or even social media, you need to have pre existing Uh, substantive relationships with someone. So when you meet someone, you have a conversation, maybe a phone call or an email or two, let some time go by, you have a substantive relationship and now I can actually call you with a live deal, right? There's a system that you have to follow to to be able to do that. So you don't need to be licensed. You just have to pay attention to some rules and frankly, best practices, because maybe you shouldn't take money from the next person you meet because that person may be a pain in the butt. I don't know, you never know. You should get to know them a little bit better.
1: Well, to that, I've got to ask you a question. I want to to go one level deeper on that. What advice would you give people that are watching uh, about due diligence? And how exactly? Because there are people who can come up with millions of dollars, but I would say they're the largest PETA, right? Pain and the asset, you know, they, they, they could be the worst person that you'd ever want on the team. And a lot of times money that is uneducated is one of my due diligence, you know, criteria, just because that money doesn't mean you want them on your team. What would you say about that from a due diligence standpoint?
2: Well, you're right about that. But when you're first starting out, all money is green and you don't really care about any of that stuff. Right. So you're <laughs> like, ha, you want to invest 50,000 thousand you're in. Right. So so in the beginning, you don't really care, but you quickly care when you have that pain in the butt, you know, investor or even worse the pain in the butt partner who says they can raise a million dollars in their giant pain in the butt. So, you know, I think it comes with time. Um, But yes, I would be discerning with, with both of those, even though in the beginning, like you said, you have happy years on and you're going to, you're going to go where the flow is. Uh, But you're, you're right. Not all money is exactly the same shade of green and you, one should be a little more careful with uh, the people you bring on for sure.
1: Absolutely. So uh, in the show notes, we're going to put a, a, a link to you and, uh, things you want to uh, give. Is there anything you want to give the folks or have them take a the next step of action with you? We'll
2: put yeah, I'd love Tim. I'd love Tim to, uh, to check out my, my book is this yellow book. It's called financial freedom with real estate investing. It's on, on Amazon right now. and be happy to give some away to your, to your listeners or viewers as a, as a okay. prize as well. That's a great foray, uh, into this world of, of syndications. It really talks about you know, how do you overcome ex- experience? How do you overcome lack of capital? And what are some of the mechanics of actually closing, finding and closing a deal? So if someone's interested in that, that would be a, a great way, uh, a great way to get started and, and listen to my podcast. It's called by the same title, Financial Freedom with Real Estate. Um, and just listen in and we talk to people who have quit their job and, uh, and, and kind of help us navigate all this.
1: That's awesome. Michael, thank you for being on Laurel's Royal Money Talks. Appreciate you and your expertise those of you that are listening, go to asklaurel.com. You can uh, ask a question, make a request. We have teams out there every day following up. And in the show notes will be a link to the free offer of Michael's book. So those of you, again, that want to become millionaires, I have a three to five year plan. Continue to listen. And we have a wide range of conversations from how to make money, how to keep it, how to invest it. And who do you surround yourself to uh, just build an amazing team? So critical. So, Michael, thank you.
2: Thank you for having me, Laura. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. And all of you will be back next week. Same channel. Talk to you then. This is Laurel. You've been listening to my podcast, Laurel's Road Money Talks. If you'd like a conversation one-on-one with one of my team members, the easiest thing to do is call my office, 775-588-9200. I would like a one-on-one with someone on the team. The other thing you could do just to go get some gifts is go to Laurel.club, L-O-R-A-L.club. Laurel.club is a place where you can get a free ticket to my marketplace. You also can bring a guest to the marketplace, fill out a profile, and get a whole bunch of gifts that we uh, really want to get some feedback. I want you financially literate. The biggest challenge people have isn't that they have a resistance to money. They just don't know about it. So let me help you when you're here on this podcast. Laurel's Real Money Talks. Thank you.